People like to say that sales is a numbers game. And then there are others, I've seen this more recently, say, no, sales is not a numbers game. Sales is a skills game. So which one is it? The answer is actually pretty simple. Know your numbers, and then you can celebrate your activity, be in a good mood all the time, and level up your game. This is a path forward. Welcome, everyone, to the Close More Sales podcast. Our purpose is to empower sales professionals and entrepreneurs to push themselves to grow, achieve unimaginable success without burning out, and ultimately transform their lives. I'm Ian Ross, and I'm obsessed with all things sales. And I work with teams across the country to make more money by asking better questions. The most proven path to achieving financial freedom is maximizing your earning potential. And a sales role is the lowest barrier with the highest possible ceiling for entry onto that path. Anyone can become a killer salesperson with the right techniques, mindset, and consistency. Everything we cover on this podcast is geared toward one thing, helping you close more sales so you can live the life you want. Now, this is a newer podcast, so we are in the growth stage. If you get any value from this episode today, follow and subscribe and, and let us know either in the comments on YouTube or in a, review, in a review where you listen to your podcasts and tell us what it is you got out of the show. Because if you have conversations where how well you speak determines in any way how much money you can make, you are essentially in a sales role. And if you would like to get better at what you do, text CLOSE, C-L-O-S-E, to 33777. And we'll see if we can help you out along the process. Now, in this episode, I want to talk to you about goal setting in a sales role and how if the way you set your goals is the same as your average Joe walking down the street, you're setting yourself up for failure. You will be frustrated, get discouraged, and risk the ever-present threat for so many of us in sales. Burnout. Not only what I go over on this episode, if you were to actually implement it, remove the threat of burnout from your radar, but you'll be constantly rewarded as you get closer and closer to your goal. At the time of recording this, we're just going into 2024, and so New Year's resolutions are on almost everyone's mind. Whether you're a great-grandmother in a nursing home or you're an ultra-marathon runner fresh out of college, people love talking about their resolutions, what they plan on doing. But the difference between them might be that one is planning on getting better at cribbage uh, and talking to her grandkids more, while the other is trying to run 100 miles in under 24 hours. It's not the goal itself that interests me, and it's certainly not what I want to talk about today. This is a podcast about sales. And if there's one thing that all sales organizations have in common from Tennessee to Timbuktu is they are goal-oriented. They have annual quotas, quarterly quotas, and are always focusing on what they are trying to do next. By extension, since the vast majority of sales professionals are either employed at an organization or they used to be employee at one, 
it's very common for the individual to think about things the same way their company did, or at least have it rub off on them in some way. Now, there are many different goals you could have as a salesperson. Maybe you'll be focused on never, ever having an empty pipeline. So you want to prospect all the time or, you know, you're planning on trying to make President's Club and get an all expenses paid trip to Puerto Rico. Or maybe you just have a personal income goal that's high enough. It renders every other metric, every other all expenses paid vacation. It renders it irrelevant. The, the specifics, though, of whatever goal you picked, they're not super important to me because it doesn't change how you should be planning on attacking that goal. There is absolutely a hack to being able to dominate whatever goal you set for yourself. And I don't see it talked enough about in just in the sales training space in general. It's not really broken down. So what I'm going to do is I will break it down for you on this episode. And from there, we can figure out how to make this work for you. But first, let me tell you a story of how I was able to make this work for me or at least how I was able to actually come to the conclusions I have now about thinking about goals, about thinking about what you are trying to achieve and how to optimally go about achieving it. My first ever commissioned sales role was selling life insurance. And I was good at selling life insurance, but I wasn't great at selling life insurance. There's a variety of reasons for this that I can go into and I'll probably dive deeper into on a different episode. But I liked the conversations I was having. I liked thinking about how to improve at those conversations, how to run appointments optimally, about planning my tone, planning everything I was going to say, handling objections. I, I loved the role, but I wasn't great at it. My next job is when I actually got good. And by good, I mean quite good. And that was selling solar for a company. And I was doing okay at the start. One of the challenges, challenges for me was I was in Illinois. And in Illinois, uh, you can have a pretty good run in the warmer months, but in the winter, it's difficult. And the month I was having trouble was February. And I was told uh, that based on, or I'll phrase it this way, based on the numbers of where I was in February, it looked like if I didn't perform, I would get written up on a PIP, a performance improvement plan that uh, many of you probably dread or are familiar with the idea of. And I was struggling with this as a salesperson because my whole identity was built in loving sales, being good at what I did, being super excited to be on this team, thinking about how to improve all the time. Like, I'm going to be so good at this. How? What do you mean you're going to write me up? I'm going to get a performance improvement plan? What, what are you talking about? My ego couldn't handle it. And there's a lot of challenges with selling solar in Illinois in February. Number one is it's just really cold and dark. And so it's not on a lot of people's minds. So there are fewer prospects coming in. There are fewer leads. And also those who would potentially entertain the topic, you know, we're less interested about doing it anytime soon. Oh, we'll wait till it warms up. A challenge for us internally at that company is that for insurance purposes, when it's a certain temperature outside below freezing, we can't get on certain roofs to even inspect, let alone install, because of the grade of the roof. If it's freezing, there's a risk to the person climbing on that roof. And so there became more challenges because even someone who raised their hand, yeah, I guess I'm interested, we couldn't actually install or get them going. So, and also February is a shorter month. 
And I had the same quotas in February as someone working in Southern California did in March. And that was a thing I was sort of frustrated about, thinking this is unfair, how could this be? Other salespeople at the same company were telling me, this is totally normal. We usually struggle at this time of the year and then it picks up as it gets warmer, but I couldn't process. I was gonna be on a performance improvement plan. My manager told me, hey, and he was a great manager, looking at your numbers and your closing ratio, because everything's tracked, based on your closing ratio, if you actually just make sure you go into two homes every single day for the rest of this month, for however many days for less than February, you will sell enough to not have to get written up. You will make your quota and you'll be good. And that was a profound piece of information for me because all I had to do then was think, okay, if I just go into two homes a day and do exactly as I'm doing right now, I'll be fine. I won't have to deal with the crisis of identity of not being able to perform. This is great. That's all I have to do. What I decided then was not just thinking I have to go into two homes a day, but I made a shift, which is instead of going through that brutal up and down roller coaster of, yay, I got a sale to, oh my gosh, I drove around all day. I went into three, four homes, nothing happened. This was a waste of a day. I just decided to go, okay, if I go into two homes a day, I will treat that as a sale, meaning I will celebrate as if I got a sale because based on my closing ratio, that should be the case. And if I go into three homes a day, I treat it as two sales, four homes, three sales. If I only go into one home, and even if it is a sale, I will not celebrate that because that is a deviation from my plan of focusing on the activity of what I could control. Now, there obviously there's an aspect of some of this that wasn't in my control because there was one day where I had three appointments set. I went into one home, closed the first one, and the next two were no-shows. One of them didn't come to the door even though they were home. The other one, I think, maybe called me when I was like pulling up to the home to tell me they canceled and changed their mind. Even though I was set to have three, I only ran one and I sold one. But I had to tell myself, hey, that wasn't what I said I would do. I didn't focus on the results, on the sale itself. I focused on my activity. Not only did I crush numbers in February, I think I got 13 sales and I, I think I needed eight, if I recall that company is what I needed. Uh, it might have been six or seven, but it, like depending on the, uh, on the to be on the performance improvement plan. But I, I got thirteen. From there on out, I averaged about seventeen a month. This is not just to simply say I'm this amazing salesperson, but because I was struggling beforehand, I wasn't on track to make eight. But then I started getting these back to back twofers, as they call it, which is two days in a row where you got two sales. And I was very lucky that the company I was at at the time. I mean, they rewarded people who were performing well with more appointments. So I was just driving around the great state of Illinois all day, going into homes, just treating it like I got a sale, just being in a great mood because I was like, oh, all I have to do is go into two. And oh my gosh, I went into four. It doesn't matter that I got two when I went into four. I treated it like I got three because my whole goal was to just go into multiple homes. And so things absolutely took off for me. And this story, the reason I want to illustrate this, of celebrating two appointments as if it were a sale is twofold. There's two main reasons. 
as to why I tell the story. So reason number one, all my professional success, which to be frank, led to the majority of my personal success as well, was on the other side of this total mindset shift. And reason number two here is the fundamental belief I have, it characterizes how I believe that salespeople should be setting their goals. In my intro for this podcast, I talk about how I want to help salespeople and entrepreneurs achieve unimaginable success without burning out. And this golden nugget here, this is the key. Knowing your numbers, meaning understanding your closing ratio for an appointment, how many conversations it takes to get an appointment, how many dials or texts or whatever your sort of baseline activity is to be able to get a conversation. Once you know all of those numbers, then, and realistically only then, you can use industry standards if you don't know your actual numbers, but your actual numbers make it real. Then you're not lying to yourself because you can really do it. You go, then we can just do some basic division and find a way to justifiably celebrate what you were doing on a day-to-day basis to achieve those goals. So let's break that down. Now, I want you, the audience of this podcast, you need to learn enough about your numbers to be able to do the math yourself. Uh, For now, we will use a very simple example to make my point, to get this point across, but your own numbers will always have more impact than the point I'm bringing up here, than, than thinking in generalities. So let's just say your income goal for the year is to make 100,000. A nice round number to illustrate my point. A lot of salespeople always talk about making six figures. This is the start of six figures. Let's pick that number. So let us say for this hypothetical scenario, on average, you can make $1,000, 1K for every sale. So you need to sell your product 100 times over the year to make your goal. If you take two weeks off for vacation every year, just on average, let's just say that's 50 weeks to close 100 times, which is two sales per week. Now, let's say your current closing ratio is 25%. Let's just say it's where you're at right now. So one out of every four appointments that you run ends up being a sale, ends up being $1,000 to you. That means every single time you run an appointment, you make $250 because going through the process of the three people who you couldn't close is part of the process. It's part of making your money. So let's say it takes you 10 conversations on the phone because you're setting your own appointments in this hypothetical example to set an appointment. So for every conversation you have, you make $25 because 250 divided by 10 is 25. Hope you're still with me so far. Now, if you are able to dial the telephone 10 times and then you have a conversation, that means it makes, or you make $2.50 per dial. Think about that for a moment. If every single time you picked up the phone to dial a prospect, you press that button and you waited, it went to voicemail and then you hung up, you could then see your bank account go up $2.50. If you had your bank account up on a second monitor, how easy would it be for you to keep dialing? And in fact, how hard would it be for you to burn out if by the very nature of your pure activity, your output, the output of your work that you do on a daily basis is directly tied to the numbers you see increase in a linear fashion in your bank account, 
sales would be the easiest job in the world. All I have to do is dial a phone. I dialed it six times. Oh my God, I made this much money. That's all it took. No one even answered. This is the value in understanding your numbers and in reducing your goal, whatever it is, whether it's cribbage and calling your grandkids or it's making LA plastic surgeon money, selling pest control door to door. If you can find a way to reduce that big goal, whatever it is, to a weekly and daily activity that you can monitor and that you can celebrate and celebrate daily, rather than waiting till the end of the year, you celebrate it on a daily basis, you will crush that goal and constantly be celebrating on the path to that goal. This is a problem I have with a lot of goal setting that I see for some people online. I just, not to call it any names in particular, but let's talk about, in particular, the idea of focusing on 10Xing your goal. So this is the idea that, let's just say you wanted to make 100,000. So if you wanna make, if you're, that's your goal, instead of actually trying to do 100,000, you would then say, okay, I need to set a goal for 10 times what I actually wanna make, and therefore I will overshoot my goal. And then, then I'll make even more, and that's the way to think about things. The problem with this, I think, is maybe this is a personal opinion, but I do not think I am entirely alone in this thought process, is that I like to actually feel like I'm achieving my goals. I want my goals to be optimistic and difficult and have there be a lack of certainty. But if in the same example of having to sell a, you know, a product 100 times to get 100,000, two sales per week, that ends up being 10 sales per week. At 10, or no, no, not 10 sales. Sorry, 20 sales. That's the math. It's so, it's so outrageous to even think about. 20 sales per week, which, again, depending on the setup, I suppose is doable. But it's, what I think you end up doing is just setting yourself up for massive frustration because I like to achieve what I set out to do that's just beyond my reach, but I'm on the process to achieving it. And ultimately, being on the process to achieving it means that I can reduce it and figure out what I have to do on a day-to-day -day basis and celebrate that. If my goal was massive, if it was just 10 times bigger than what I actually thought I was trying to do, first off, by if it's an annual goal, by September, I know I'm not going to hit that goal because there's if the runway isn't there to make that. So let's say I'm set to make 250 and my goal is 100. I guess that that's great that you're making more, but now I've got three to four months of knowing I'm not able to achieve what I publicly said because I like to publicly state my goals because it helps hold me accountable to them, what I publicly said I would try and do. So now there's this mismatch of identity of I set this pie-in-the-sky goal and I know months in advance that I wasn't able to achieve it. Best case scenario, I'm okay that I lied to myself for those first eight months of the year. It's okay, I just lied to myself and now I made more money. But the problem then is I, I have this risk of feeling that burnout because the activity on a daily basis to be able to do a 10X goal is kind of crushes any other opportunity that you could possibly be achieving, usually. And I, I, you know, I have other hobbies. I have a family that I like to engage with outside of sales. I'm certainly listening to sales podcasts while driving my family around because I'm obsessed with everything to do with it. 
but I still have a life outside of it. And having a well-rounded life and actually trying to 10X your goals completely falls out the window, which means the risk for burnout, which is so high. I know everyone likes to talk about just have a really strong purpose and then you won't burn out. It's, I wish it were that easy. It's, it's, it's the most powerful thing you can do to prevent burnout is have a really strong why. It's still not enough. If you were working so much that you're never, ever taking any time, and it varies depending on the individual. I don't need a lot of time to recharge, but I need a, a weekend from time to time, usually a day. But if I'm trying to actually focus on my activity on a daily basis, that is 10 times the goal of what I had, I will have no time for anything else. And I risk burnout. I don't want to skirt that line. Instead, if I think, okay, here's this goal, and then it's 100,000, instead of trying to make it a million, I can reduce it to the math of what I need to do. So I'm going to talk about this here. So if you make $2.50 every time you pick up the phone and dial, you need to make 40,000 dials over the year. But if we break that down to your 50 weeks of work, that ends up being 160 dials per day. So in our example, if you just dial the telephone 160 times, you'll hit your income goal of making six figures. But here's where the real fun starts, because this is exactly what happened to me when I was selling solar. Let's say your average amount per sale is actually $2,500, $2,500, which is what you can get paid for some products selling for us at Disruptors. Uh, let's say you're highly trained and you get your closing ratio to where I was when I was selling solar, which hovered a little over 40%. I was usually around 44 or 42% on a monthly basis, but let's keep it at 40. And let's say you have you know, slightly better data and that aligns with your sales skills. So it actually only takes you five real conversations to be able to set an appointment for yourself. We'll still say it takes 10 dials to get a conversation because that's, that's fair enough. So at these new numbers to hit 100,000, you only need to make 40 sales over a 50-week period. But let's say now, let's say you're a hustler. And if you're anything like me, you like sales. You enjoy these conversations. You want to work and improve at that work. And you keep at that 160 dials per day work ethic. With our improved sales skills here and that data, picking up the phone 160 times per day means you see your bank account go up $20 every time you dial the phone. And on an annual basis, you'd be making $800,000. Chances are your numbers are not perfectly aligned with either of these scenarios. So this is my challenge to you now. Actually figure out what your numbers are. Find out as precisely as you can what your daily activity is actually worth so that you can celebrate your bank account going up in a linear fashion to that activity. Not only Will you avoid burnout? But you'll be having a great time as you do it. And if you're interested in getting your sales skills to the point where you can make the type of money your first sales manager <laughs> could have only dreamed of, they would faint in their chair if they found out what their hire was actually making, text CLOSE to 33777. We'll see if we can help you out along that process, along your sales journey. People like to say that sales is a numbers game. And then there are others, I've seen this more recently, say no. Sales is not a numbers game. Sales is a skills game. 
So which one is it? The answer is actually pretty simple. Yes, it's both. Know your numbers, and then you can celebrate your activity, be in a good mood all the time, and level up your game. This is the path forward. I'm Ian Ross. This has been the Close More Sales Podcast.